Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God. As we find it written in St. Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter, beginning at the thirteenth verse. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid, and neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. And what is so rare as a day in June? This is a day in June, and I'm sure that we thank God for this day. And I hope that all of us are glad that we're alive and that we do have the privilege of coming into God's house this morning and to worship him. As you heard me say, today is the fifth Sunday after Trinity, and the text that I just read is taken out of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. In this portion of the sermon, we have that tremendous statement of Jesus when he says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You and I may say to ourselves, what does he mean by saying we, the believers, we Christians are the salt of the earth, the light of the world? We may wonder about that, and as we turn to the word of God, we say, Christ, what do you mean in the sermon? And Jesus would remind you and me that when he calls us as Christians and says that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he means to say that we as Christians are the most important people on this earth, barring none. He means to say that we as Christians are the greatest assets that this world has. We are the greatest friends that the world has, we Christians. We are the world's greatest benefactors. We, beyond question of doubt, we are the world's greatest helpers. We as salt and as light, Jesus would remind us, we are the ones who occupy a tremendous, a very important and exalted position. You know, we may say to ourselves this morning, is that true? You mean to say that we as Christians, we are the most important people on earth, barring none? That's what Jesus wants you and me to know. We are no less than the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We may say to ourselves, well, the world sure doesn't feel that way. The world looks at us as Christians as though we're oddballs, we're rather nuts in this world. Uh, there's something wrong, we're rather touched in the head. Uh, we are sort of a fifth wheel. The world rather feels towards us as Christians that it would rather get along without us. We are not of much consequence, and yet we may say it's hard to believe that Jesus says, ye are no less than the salt of the earth. Ye are no less than the light of the world. You are the most important persons on earth. You are the greatest assets that the world has. We may say, how so? 
It may come as a shock in your Christian experience and mine. But Jesus would remind you and me that we are no less than the salt of the earth and the light of the world because as the salt of the earth and as the light of the world, because of the good things that come into this world because of Christians, because of the blessings that we bring, because of the joy that Christians bring in the world. And again, we may say to ourselves, what joy, what blessings, again, what benefits come into this world because of Christians. Let's not underestimate ourselves as Christians. Let's not undersell ourselves. Christ says, as he was speaking to those who were his followers, bear in mind, you're no less than the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You are the most important people on earth. You are the greatest friends that the world has. Have you ever stopped to consider the good that has come into the world, the benefits that have come, the joy that the world has derived from the presence of Christians in the world? Let's look at it this morning. In the first place, Christ would remind you and me that because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that we as Christians, we are the ones who check moral contamination in the world. We are the ones who keep the darkness of immorality and of wrongdoing from becoming pitch dark. You may say, what does he mean by saying you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world? Uh, when he talks about salt, I think I understand from experience what he's talking about. In my high school and college days, it was my privilege to have at least worked most of my way through college. It wasn't handed me on a platter, and I worked at Swift and Company at National Stockyards, East St. Louis, Illinois. And several summers I worked in the dry salt department, and I can well understand what Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You say, what about salt? Salt, if you know anything about it at all, it's a great preservative, isn't it? It keeps meat from spoiling. It prevents putrefaction. We say to ourselves, we as Christians in the world, we are the salt of the earth. I remember being in the dry salt department and as they called it, the sow bellies coming down from the cooling floors and seeing tons and tons of salt being placed on the raw bellies which later become bacon. And again, to keep the meat from spoiling, from contamination. And you and I know that light, it overcomes darkness. It goes into the dark places and therefore it prevents darkness from being pitch dark. And we say to ourselves, we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. We are, again, the greatest friends that this world has. Listen, what would the moral tone of this world be like, the standard of right and wrong, if there were no Christians in the world? You may say to me this morning, look what it's like now, but have you ever imagined what it might be like if there were no Christians? Have you ever wondered why in communism the communist doesn't want any Christians in the world? He wants to exterminate us. Why? Because we are the salt of the earth. We are the ones by our very lives and by our presence. Oh, that keep the world from going into greater contamination. It was when Hitler laid aside his Christian background that he determined on the genocide, the destruction of an entire race of people. And if you ever get to Germany and you stand around at Buchenwald and Dachau and you see the remnants of gas furnaces when six to seven million Jews were exterminated, you say to yourself, what about the world? What would it be like? 
if Christians were not in this world. We talk about a standard of right and wrong. As Christians, as the saw, we have a standard, and it's God's standard. There is such a thing as right in your life and mine. There's such a thing as wrong. And as regards immorality and incest, we know that God said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. We are to live a chaste and a decent life in word and deed. Can you estimate what again we are in the world as salt and as the light of the world? What would the world be like? if you took Christians out of the world. And because, therefore, we are the greatest benefactors on this earth, by virtue of the fact that we are salt and that we are light, and that we stay putrefaction, and we keep the world from going into a worse moral decay and immorality, because the world says, here is a standard that's before its eyes, and therefore we are the most important people on earth, whether you and I believe it or not. Jesus says, you're no less than the salt of the earth, the light of the world, because it's only because of Christians in this world that keeps God from bringing to an end the time of grace of the world that only keeps him from, again, stopping the destruction of the human race and sending human beings to hell and to damnation. You may say, do you mean to say that the reason why the end hasn't come and the world isn't destroyed and men are not condemned to hell is because they're Christian? Yes, and I can prove it. Did you ever go back to the Old Testament remember the story when God came to Abraham and God said to Abraham, I'm going to destroy the city of Sodom. And Abraham said to God, God, are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And God said, no, I don't want to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And remember Abraham said, but God, supposing there are 50 righteous people in Sodom in that city that is given the name to a particular sin of sodomy even into our day. Remember God said, if there are 50 righteous, Abraham, I won't destroy the city because of the righteous. And then Abraham said, but Lord, supposing there's only five less, there's 45, would you destroy the city? And God said, if there are 45, I won't destroy the city of Sodom. And then Abraham came back at him again and said, God, supposing there's only 40, will you save the city because of the righteous? And God said, if there are 40 righteous, I'll save the city. And then Abraham came back again, 30 Supposing there's only 30, will you say, God said, I'll save the city if there are 30 righteous. 20. If there are 20, God said, if there are 20 people that are righteous in Sodom, I'll save the city. And then he came back, oh, in other words, God, don't be displeased with me. He came back once more, God, supposing there's only 10, will you save the city? And God said, if there are 10 righteous people in Sodom, I'll save the city. See, there was only Lot and his wife and his two daughters. Do you realize that the reason why God in justice doesn't come and shorten the time of grace of men in this world and bring their souls to eternal hell is because of Christians in the world? You and I, they may call us nuts and they may say we're catched in the head and that we're like a fifth wheel and the world could get along better without us. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Listen, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the greatest asset that the world has, the greatest friend, because, again, of the goodness and of the blessing and the joy that you bring in the world. And that's why this morning when we look at ourselves and Jesus says, you're no less than the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we ought to say to ourselves, well, if that's what I am, am I what I am? Or have I lost what I'm supposed to be? Jesus hastened to say, but if the salt has lost its taste, if it's lost its saltiness, What's it good for? And if you take the light and you've hidden it under a bushel, what's it good for? 
What good is salt when it's lost its saltiness? Talk to you heart cases when you've had a heart attack and the doctor says from now on no salt and you say did you ever eat a fried egg without any salt on? Did you ever taste anything so insipid, so tasteless and it's almost nauseating. We say to ourselves what about salt when it's lost its saltiness? Isn't it strange that some of us as Christians fail to realize that we are the light of the world, whether we want to be or not, we are the salt of the earth, but if again the salt has lost its saltiness and we've hidden our life, are we this kind of a Christian that we are, as we say, when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do? But when we come to church on Sunday, then we have a moral standard of right and wrong. And we have a moral standard of morality, but again through the week we fail to do it and it just depends on what group we're with. Is that the case? Then we ought to say to ourselves this morning, if I am again, if I am, Jesus says, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then we better stop and say, I'm going to be what I ought to be. And there ought to be a spirit of repentance and we ought to say, forgive me because I have failed to live up to the fact that I set the moral tone where I live. I set the moral tone of right and wrong. I am salt to prevent putrefaction, and we ought to ask for forgiveness. Then have the joy of knowing that our time of grace is not over, that he hasn't closed in, that the Holy Spirit hasn't left us. What a tragedy if God must say of us, as he said of King Saul of old, that he wist not that the Spirit had departed from him. Could it be true that you and I stand and Jesus says you're no less than the salt of the earth and the light of the world and that the Spirit has already departed, that our salt has lost its saltiness and our light has been hidden under a bushel? We ought to stand and face it and ask God to forgive if we have failed to live up to our status, to live up to again the very position that you and I occupy. Yes, up on the mountain that day in that sermon, Jesus turning and talking to those who believed in him said, Bear this in mind, man. You are no less than the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You are the most important people on this earth. You are the greatest friends that the world has. You are the world's greatest benefactors. Look at the goodness and the joy and the blessings you bring. And you and I say, what joy, what blessings. Well, in the second place, Christ would remind us that because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, it means that you and I are the ones. Think of it. We are the ones who make the world better. We are the ones who bring joy into the world. You look at salt and you say, well, what good is salt? Well, again, what salt can do to a hamburger, isn't that right? What salt can do to that T-bone that you broil out in your backyard? What a taste it can give. And oh, what light can do when, again, the room is dark and gloomy and you light a light. What joy light brings into a room. And Jesus says, using the metaphor of salt and of light, you are the salt. You, you give flavor. You bring joy into the world. You make the world better. And we say to us, you mean Christians are the greatest benefactors that this world has ever seen? Oh, he preached one day that sermon on the mount up there in Galilee. And the Jew was living under the slavery of the Roman eagle, and it was the day of slavery. You and I think, remember when St. Paul, oh, he prided himself in saying, I was born free, that I am not a freed man. I had my freedom from birth because my father had his freedom. And he looked out in the world, and in Christ's world, it was a world of slavery. And you and I saw it in this country. And we say to ourselves, what is it that broke up slavery? That again, let a man say that I do not belong to another man. 
that I have seen. And what was it? It was the presence of Christians in the world. But one day, the stranger of Galilee up in the Sermon on the Mount reminded Christians, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And slavery went by the board, didn't it, in the world because of Christians. And we say to ourselves, what about the status of womanhood? Where did you women stand in the world? Again, in abject slavery, you were bought and you were sold and you had no rights. And in Hinduism, you didn't even raid as much as the sacred cow. But when, again, Christians went out in the world and became the salt of the earth and the light of the world, they realized that you, when God created you, he didn't take you from bone of the man's head that you should be superior to him. And it wasn't a bone from his foot that he should trample you underfoot, but it was a bone, it was the rib from under his arm, that he might love you and put his arm around you and realize that you were a companion a human being created in the image of God. Your status in the world. Why? Because Christians are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We say to ourselves, why is it? Looking here in Marion County, we say, we build a children's home for children. We build a marker school for the retarded. We're going to build an old folks home. Did you ever hear of anything like that before Jesus again spoke from the mountaintop, his sermon? You're going out. You are the salt of the earth. Where did mercy come from? We're going to add to Marion General Hospital. We're adding to, again, Marion Community. Where did this idea of mercy come from? Where did the idea of showing compassion not come And why? These are the byproducts of Christians in the world. Don't forget, he said, you're the most important people on earth. You're the salt of the earth. You are the ones that make things taste better. You're the light of the world that you bring joy. Who can measure democracy, power in the hands of the people? Where did it come from? It came from the presence of Christians in the world, the most important people on earth. Where did schools and institutions of learning originate? In, again, the church amongst Christian people. Because, again, men were precious. Men had a mind. Men were to be trained in the things of eternity and trained in the things of time. You and I realize our status, the exalted position that we have. Well, the world may stand and say, you're a bunch of nuts, you're a bunch of crackpots, and you're a fifth wheel, and the world would be better off without you. But Jesus says, don't you forget. This is your status. You are no less than the salt of the earth. You are no less than the light of the world. And therefore, again, we are the most important people on earth because in making the world better and in making it brighter, we are the ones who soften the hearts of individuals and make them want to know God better because uh, they see God in your life and mine. We are the ones, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. We are the ones who, again, we prepare the soil that men say God must be a God worth knowing. There must be something about life after death. There must be something that I can find in God. That's what you and I add in the world. 
don't underestimate ourselves and don't sell ourselves short. We are no less than the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and that ought to mean today that when we look at ourselves and say, well, if this is what I am, if this is my position, my status, that as a Christian I am the salt of the earth and I am the light of the world, that because I am in the world, the world is better and the world is brighter, we ought to then say to ourselves, I want to be more and more of what I ought to be. I want to be salt. I want to be light. Oh, I received a letter not long ago from a college student and he says, I'm bitterly disillusioned with the church. He says, the church is hypocrisy. He says, the church is it stands in the world. It's useless. It's ornamental. And I would like to say, what is the church? Nowhere in the word of God is the church spoken of as a building. The church is the people of God. We're talking about ourselves. If again, if the church is decadent and if it's sterile and if it's useless, what we're saying, my life, I have failed to be salt. I have failed to be light. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men. How many of us have said to ourselves, if I am to be salt, and that's what I am, and light, and I am to bring goodness and to bring joy into the world, why don't we look at ourselves for a moment and say, I'm the church. I am one of the people of God. What am I doing? And we are looking for opportunities, and we want somebody to tell us what to do. Jesus said, let your light. What can you do as a person? There's a light that you can be that no one else can be. How many opportunities do you and I look for? A woman said to me last week, she said, my husband's ill, and she said, he's got Bell's palsy. And she said, I never heard of Bell's palsy in my life, and he never did either. And now that he's got it, she said, and I talk about it, I've heard of more cases of Bell's palsy, facial paralysis, I never knew that it was so common. Isn't this the case that when you and I look for opportunities to be salt and light, and we really begin, what happens? A new world opens up when we're really looking for opportunity and we're out to say some kind things and to do some kind deeds. You talk about what can I do? What can you do today? Do you know the person alongside of you this morning in church? Two, two people away on either side, do you know them? You say, what can I do? you know whether there's any broken hearts sitting on? Oh, you all look swell when you look up here this morning. You're all dressed up and you say everything's fine. Some of you again here with broken hearts and you're alone and you feel lonesome and you say, does anybody care? Do you ever think of shaking hands with somebody you don't know this morning? Or do you go out every Sunday and you couldn't be bothered and you say, no opportunity, did you ever try it? Did you ever grasp a man's hand? Maybe he hasn't shaken hands with anybody for a week. Did you ever say hello? Do you know of any sick people that you might go see? Do you know of anybody who can't see very well that you might read for them? Did you ever think of giving a pint of blood? Oh, that's for the other guy, isn't it? That's not for you and me. A pint of blood that might help. Oh, oh that, uh, 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 that's for somebody else. You know what happens in life when you and I are looking for opportunity? Where can I let my light shine? In little things. You and I are the church, the church of the people of God. Oh, opportunities begin to open up in the little things, and they're the things that mean so much. And then the joy of being important. When we do something, when the Boy Scout does his good deed every day, he has a sense of importance. And when you and I say, I am the salt of the earth, I can add some flavor to this world. I'm the light of the world. I can make the world more cheerful. The, the joy of being useful, of being wanted.
And the joy of seeing that your faith in mine in Jesus Christ is a living faith. But that's what it means. Well, the world can say you're a bunch of nuts. You're catched in the head. You're useless. You're excess baggage in the world. The world would like to get rid of us, to be sure. Because then the moral tone of the world would be gone. Jesus says, listen, followers, you're no less than the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, and you are the most important people on earth, the greatest asset the world has, the greatest friends, the greatest benefactors, the greatest helpers that this world knows because of the goodness, because of the joy, because of the blessings uh, that again come through us in the world. Well, that's true because in the third place, Christ reminds you and me that because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we are the ones who by our personal witnessing for Christ, we and damnation for the world and that he merited a hundred percent righteousness for every man, woman, and child who has ever been born, who will be born and that anybody that reaches out in faith to him can be saved from eternal hell and be saved for heaven, life, and salvation. You say, oh, what good does it do? Does that penetrate? I'd like to tell you something else about salt that I found in the dry salt cellars at Swift & Company. Never will forget my first day on the job. You see, you line up. In those days, you couldn't buy a job. You'd go down to the plant every morning at 6 and you stood there and you waited, and maybe there was an opening, and there came an opening. You can work in the dry salt department. I had on a pair of Oxford's two-tone leather shoes. They were the best I had. And, of course, you don't get a chance to go buy shoes. I went into the cellars, and there I worked for the first day. Where you go inside, of course, it's refrigerated. There's water on the floor, but it doesn't come up over the sole. And I noticed all day long, everybody working there with me as I was in there, they said, um, you better get yourself some other shoes. Where do you see what salt is? You talk about the penetration of salt. Do you have any idea how salt penetrates? I worked again for 10 hours the first day in the salt cellars. And to my knowledge, got no sole up on the upper part of the shoes. Well, when I went home, of course, the soles were rather soaked. And I stood them there. And the next morning when I looked at them, they were just the nicest pair of white shoes you ever saw in your life. And I took water and I thought, well, salt soluble and water, I washed it off. And I washed those shoes every morning. I never did get the salt out. The salt penetrated from the dry cellars into those shoes that I never got it out. You realize we are the most important people in the world that when we do something that seems so insignificant to tell somebody about the love of Jesus Christ, how it penetrates. Do you realize how darkness can again be opened up by just a little lighted candle when Shakespeare has said, far as that little candle sheds its beams, so shines a good deed in a naughty world. Did you ever light one little birthday candle in a darkened room and say, oh, how light penetrates darkness. Can you and I ever realize what a penetration there is when we take the time as salt and as light just to say something nice about Jesus Christ. And that makes us the most important people on earth because we are the ones, therefore, who by the grace of God, having sowed the seed, bring men from eternal death into a living relationship with Jesus Christ to life and salvation. Can anybody do any more than to bring a man from eternal death to eternal life through being salt and through being light. 
Jesus says to you and me this morning in his Sermon on the Mount, you are the most important people on the face of the earth. You are the greatest asset that this world has. You are the greatest friends. You are the greatest benefactors. Why? You are no less than the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You are the ones who, again, when you say something nice about me, it penetrates deeply into the hearts of men and it brings them to a living faith in me. That ought to mean this in your life and mine this morning. We ought to say to ourselves, since I am salt and I am light, therefore I am determined in my life that I'm going to be more and more what I am and I'm going to go out and I'm going to bear witness for my Lord with confidence. How much confidence do you and I have in saying something nice about Jesus Christ? I'm up here preaching this morning and oh you're reading so much today that would break the heart of a preacher if he'd let him when theologians are saying that the day of preaching is over what good does it do? What good do you? If you think people are listening that it does any good you're mistaken and you know you stand up here on Sunday morning and you say well does it do any good? Is there anything that we can have confidence in that as we witness as salt and light? You know, my Lord, he preached up on the mountain. You talk about how about it. Did it do any good? Well, how much confidence do you and I have? And how much confidence does Christ have in you and me? Do you ever realize that? Do you know this, that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth? Nowhere in the word of God does Jesus say, I am the salt of the earth. Do you ever realize that? Boy, what confidence he had in you and me. He said, you are the salt of the earth. I've got this much confidence in you. You are the salt. Never called himself the salt. He did call himself the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. And no wonder because he is. He is the light of life. He is God himself that came into the world. And if he hadn't come as the light of the world, this world would be in eternal darkness and death and hell. And there would be no hope. But he also says, and you are the light of the world. Rather strange. It rather hits you right between the eyes. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Oh, what confidence he had. You. United, but what if I fail, Lord? Jesus says, that word's not in my vocabulary. I don't, I don't reckon with failure. I don't depend upon you failing. You're not, he's, if he's got that kind of confidence in you and me, and he said, will you just please go out and say something nice about me? Will you go out and witness? And you are the salt and light of the world, and I've got every confidence in you. Then why in the world don't you and I have confidence in him? But when we do it, it does bring results. So you can laugh about preaching all you want. I expect to continue. I expect to continue to preach him. Because John, when the Apostle John was on Patmos and he was given a vision of eternity, remember again, John said, and I, John, he said, and I saw a great multitude which no man could number. I saw a magnificent multitude in heaven of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and crying with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. And I believe he saw it. Heaven isn't going to be an empty spot. Believe you me, it's going to be filled. Jesus, my house shall be filled. Don't you ever kid yourself. 
Listen, the church is coming to it does do some good. If there was something else that would do any better, he would have given it. But he said, will you just remember, you are salt, you are light. Will you go out and just bear witness, just tell others about me. And again, my father's house will be filled. When I was in Scotland, in Glasgow, and I wanted to go to Glasgow, I had two reasons. One was I had a high school teacher who had come from Glasgow, Scotland, graduated from Glasgow University, and I'm telling you, if you ever had a man, when he would taught Scott's Lady of the Lake, and some of you remember that story, the poem, it, it, he made it live, and I always had a hankering and wanted to get to Glasgow. The other thing is I wanted to go where David Livingstone, I suppose you know by now, one of my great heroes in the missionary enterprise of the world. And I remember being in Glasgow, it was on a Saturday afternoon, and the school was closed, it was on holiday, and I remembered here's Glasgow University, and that's where David Livingstone, he had been brought back from Africa, you know, he had had an encounter with a lion, and the arm was limp, and I shall never forget again the story there, that he was to be honored, given a doctor's degree, and when David Livingstone came out on the platform, and the students were there, it was the custom then in the college that the students would arise and they would heckle the person who was going to be honored. There was a little ribbing going forth back. And, but when David Livingston came out and he stood there with a withered arm and the student body of Glasgow University stood up, we are told that there was silence. There was nothing said. They, they stood in reverence. And it is said this of David Livingston, that when they looked at him, he stood there as the salt of the earth and as the light of the world, and wist not that his face shone. He wist not that his face shone. The students and the faculty that day at Glasgow, when they looked at David Livingston, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, even though Livingston didn't realize it, his face shone with the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, if you and I could go out of church this morning, there would be something that we didn't realize, that as the salt and the light of the world, uh, that somebody may look at your face and mine, that it may shine in the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus says we are. Who can measure that influence? Oh, that we could say, Lord, make me to be salt, make me be light of the world and walk the glory road and pray to him, beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man. Truly I love thee, truly I serve thee, light of my soul, my joy, my crown. Lord Jesus, I am salt, I am light, Make me more what I am. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.